Hi, and welcome back to the Pleasing God podcast, a weekly show focused on helping Christians to think biblically, engage practically, and live faithfully for the glory of God. I'm your host, Jonathan Soule. And today I'd like to talk with you on the subject of suffering, really under the title of redeeming suffering. There's a famous quote many of us are probably aware of, Benjamin Franklin, who once said, Our new constitution is now established. Everything seems to promise it will be durable. But in this world, nothing is certain except death and taxes. Now, I think we all can agree with Franklin on that, but the reality is there's death, there's taxes, and if you are alive, you will experience suffering. Many of you are thinking even now, of course, absolutely, I've experienced suffering. It is a reality of the world that we live in. But foundationally, before we even talk about redeeming suffering, we need to go back to the beginning and help develop our understanding of suffering. When God created the world perfect in six days and rested on the seventh, everything he did was good. And then when he created mankind, it was very good. And so in Genesis 1 and 2, it is a world created without suffering. And suffering is a result of the fall. It is a result of the disobedience from Adam and Eve when they ate of the tree that they were commanded not to eat. And so from Genesis chapter 3 all the way to the end in Revelation 21, we live in this time frame where suffering is a part of our experience, of our reality. There's suffering, there's trials from various kinds and places. But we recognize primarily, and first and foremost, it wasn't in paradise. It wasn't, God did not create a world in which suffering was there originally. Now, that does not mean that the world that we live in now is God's kind of plan B. No, this was always his intention. It was always his design with what we live in. But man, by his disobedience, is responsible for suffering in this world. So we must first and foremost understand that suffering is inevitable. It is an inevitable reality of living in this world. And so in order for us to even get to the point of thinking about redeeming suffering, we must accept that it exists. And so this idea of redeeming suffering, what do I mean by that? Well, first, uh, let's think about the word redeem. What I mean here is a sense of to fulfill or to make good. And so this idea of redeeming suffering, to, to fulfill suffering, to make good use of suffering, it's really how we respond. And how we respond to suffering is based off of how we think about it. I would want to encourage you that as we face trials and difficulties and suffering, whether it be physical or mental or emotional, that we are to use suffering as a tool to make us and not to break us. So, what are some things that we can think about when it comes to redeeming suffering? Well, here's one. Suffering is temporary. It does not last forever. You might be thinking, well, that's not true because I have been diagnosed with a condition that will never go away. I understand. Suffering is temporary. You might have been born with a a certain way or you have gone through the painstaking grief of burying a loved one. That loved one will never come back. And you say, this suffering, this grief, this condition that I have is going to last forever. No, no, it's not. Suffering does not last forever. Eternity lasts forever. So physical 
emotional, mental struggles and suffering that we face in this life, they might last even a lifetime, but they do not last forever. I think of Paul's words in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, a man who suffered greatly throughout his life. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Even there, Paul makes mention that there's suffering in the present time, but it is not even worth comparing with the life to come. And so when we think about redeeming suffering, we want to be able to look past even the immediacy of our suffering. And that's sometimes hard to do, I know. But we need to have that eternal perspective that even if my suffering is to last all the days of my life, it is only for my time on earth and it will not last forever. And by God's grace, maybe even the suffering that you do face, because the majority of suffering that we face does not even last for the existence of our lifetime. It comes in waves. And so be encouraged when you think about redeeming suffering. It does not last forever. Another principle I think of is that suffering is meant to soften you. There's a tool that is in my kitchen. It looks like a medieval torture tool. It's, it looks like a mallet and it's got this smooth side and the other side has this really rough edge. And my kids like to take it out and think it's you know some sort of beating tool. And, and, and apparently is. It's a, a meat tenderizer. When I think about this meat tenderizer, you're supposed to take out a a piece of meat and take this tool and and smash it. And in the smashing of that meat, either flattens it or it softens it. It tenderizes the meat. When you think about suffering, think in terms of that meat tenderizer. While the suffering or the trials or whatever it is seems to be whacking you, the purpose is to soften you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, a famous passage, one that we go to often when we think about suffering and trials and the difficulties of life that we face. Paul, again, is talking about comfort through suffering and how suffering is meant to to soften our hearts. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, there's our suffering, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. What can we learn from this? What is Paul communicating here? He's saying that your suffering that you're going through is not just for you, but it's also ultimately for the glory of God and and the good of others. A couple years back, my wife and I went through a series of miscarriages. One, our little Grace, she made it to 14 weeks and uh, she passed. And it was a very low time in our lives. We were in the midst of the COVID shutdown and you you couldn't be really around people. And so we were suffering together in our close-knit community of what we had. And through that, that we saw was there were so many people that reached out that we didn't know about that had suffered through the same thing, a series of miscarriages, one or two. And there was this kind of group of people, a a fraternity, if you will, that came alongside and said, I know your pain. I know the loss that you've experienced that you're going through. And I want to just tell you that I've been there too. 
And that support from others comforted us. They had previously gone through suffering and trials in order that, as Paul would say, as they had been comforted, they can also comfort others. And so as your suffering and your trials and your difficulties that you are facing right now, they are not meant to harden you, but to soften you so that you will be empathetic towards others who experience similar trials and suffering. So in redeeming suffering, we are to allow our hearts to be tender towards others. I think by just way of implication here, don't be a private sufferer. It is important that we are to talk with others and seek comfort from our God, from the Word, through prayer, and through His church and His people. A third way when we can think about redeeming suffering is that suffering leads to hope, not despair. Again, we're going to consider Paul, who has so much to say on this subject. In Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, he says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. I would just pause right here and just make a note that Paul says we rejoice in our sufferings. That is uncommon. That's not uncommon. That's, that's, that's out of this world. If you were to go around and find a bunch of people rejoicing in their sufferings, you would say, what's different about you? <laughs> or you might think, what's wrong with you? Well, Paul can rejoice in his suffering because he knows where suffering leads to. Again, this gets to looking beyond the immediacy, looking beyond the immediate pain, the anguish of the soul. And it's not always easy, and it doesn't mean that you will always do this. But we must look beyond and see the end for which suffering has been brought into our lives. Suffering leads to hope, not despair, if we are redeeming suffering. He walks through this kind of step-by-step process. He says, first, suffering produces endurance, Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. In recent years, I've taken up running. Running is a form of suffering. No doubt you might hear this and think, wow, even the thought of running is suffering. And I would agree with you. When I first started running, I had this track that I wanted to go on in my neighborhood. And my goal was if I can just run for two miles, no timetable, but just if I can run or well, it might have looked like a power walk at, at that time, but I just wanted to not walk. I wanted to try to run two miles. And the first attempt, oh, it was terrible. I was as red as a tomato, gasping for air, and it was a serious struggle. But I didn't want to give up. I was really convicted that I needed to start exercising. I needed to get my health under control. So I was committed, but I suffered. I suffered as I would get out and try to run a little bit more. But over time, that consistency in suffering of running produced an endurance. And I got to two miles. Well, I didn't reach my goal. I just got to two miles. And two miles, as the endurance grew, turned into three, turned into five. And then I set my sights on a half marathon. Now, that's a big jump, I know. But I said, this is what I want to do. I'd like to accomplish this. This was my my hope that I would reach towards. And through the suffering of running, endurance was being built. And that endurance strengthened my character as a runner. 
which gave me the hope of reaching my goal. And through consistency, I was able to reach that goal. And now I still run. As we think about being Christians and redeeming suffering, it's looking beyond the immediate to the end, which produces hope in us, because we have received God's love through the Holy Spirit. And so think upon this chain that Paul has in Romans 5. Your suffering is to produce a patient endurance in you. Think about Job as he suffered great suffering throughout his life. It created a patience, a steadfastness about him. Almost this immovability, not not because he was petrified or hard-hearted, but it created in him a strength. Suffering is to strengthen you. It is to build an endurance. It is to strengthen your character, that you have a soft heart, sometimes thick skin when it's needed. I think of a quote from Dr. Harry Reader. He says, circumstances do not define our character. They only serve to reveal it. And we see that through suffering, our character is revealed and strengthened, ultimately to lead to this hope that we have because of the love of God given to us. Also, suffering should cause us to depend upon God. Suffering strengthens our dependence upon the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul's explaining this thorn in the flesh that he has received. Many speculate on what it might be, a harassment from a a demon. Maybe it was blindness. It was some sort of physical ailment. Whatever it may be, Paul says that three times he pleaded with the Lord about this thorn that he had received, that it should leave him. No doubt this caused suffering in his life. But here's the point. The Lord responds to him and says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul saw that his suffering was to lead him into more faithful dependence upon the power of God. Suffering has a way of robbing us of self-confidence, self-reliance, And it causes us to look with the eyes of faith upon God for his provision for us, for his strength in our lives, for his joy to shed abroad in our hearts, for his love to be made manifest to us. So suffering causes us to depend upon God. Another way we can think about redeeming suffering is that suffering produces a hunger for heaven. I love this. It's very dear to my heart. As I've gone through various trials of many kinds, and I know you have too, and some of you right now are going through maybe some of the most difficult trials you have ever faced. You are suffering the anguish of your soul, and you're wondering, is there ever any relief? Will will this ever come to pass? And you might be struggling with despair. I want to encourage you that your suffering is to produce in you a hunger for heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, we read, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but to the things that are unseen are eternal. We might physically be wasting away, but our faith is to be strengthened. We are not to lose heart. 
We are not to give up. We are not to find ourselves in despair. But we are to look forward to that glorious day when faith will be turned to sight, where we will be made new, where these weak, feeble, broken bodies will be resurrected and we will be perfected in the presence of Christ. Revelation 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. And neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is the hunger of heaven. This is what we are to look forward to when suffering will be no more. And finally, a way of redeeming suffering is understanding that suffering is the way of the master. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 26, we read, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Down in chapter 3, we read, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Jesus Christ suffered. And if Christ suffered, we too are called to suffer. We are never more like Jesus than when we suffer with him and for him. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. Although he was a son, speaking of Christ, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And finally, in Hebrews chapter 12, here's our call, Christian, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Understand this. It has always been the cross before glory or the cross before the crown. It has always been humility before exaltation. It has always been temporary suffering before eternal comfort. So when we think about redeeming suffering, understand this, God redeemed suffering by sending his only son to suffer in the place of sinners, to die at the hands of lawless men, to provide a way in which sinners can be made right with him. God ultimately redeemed suffering through the death of his son so that we can enter into eternal relationship with him. So, believer, as you are going through this life and trials are coming your way and suffering is the inevitable reality that you are facing, let me encourage you to suffer well, to redeem suffering and to see the purposes in your suffering. And remember this, no matter your circumstance, no matter the the depth of your trials or suffering that you are facing, remember God is good. God knows what he is doing and he loves you beyond your comprehension. Never lose sight of that. Pain and suffering at times can make a horrible theologian. Remember the words of Peter. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Be encouraged, believer. 
This is temporary. It is meant to soften you. It is to lead you to hope. It is to cause you to depend upon God, producing a hunger for heaven, and knowing it is the way of the Master, Jesus Christ. I want to thank you for listening to the Pleasing God podcast. If you have any questions, I would love to hear from you. You can email at questions at pleasinggodpodcast.org. And remember, 1 Thessalonians 4.3, this is the will of God, your sanctification.